Life is full of suffering. It is an inescapable reality of our living that pain and sorrow will characterize large portions of our lives. It is real, and it is powerful. From the moment we are born, we cry, and we don't really stop crying, no matter how old we get. In fact, the only end to suffering in this life will come with death, whether you believe in something after it or not. And from a certain perspective, it's all completely pointless. In a hundred years or even less, no one will care about the pain you have endured, no one will even remember. And yet, none of us behave as if that's true. Strangely, this is even more the case with small children, whose source of pain is often as trivial or even nonsensical as it gets. If a child falls and scrapes their knee, absolutely no one goes over and tells them to stop because it is completely pointless to display such feelings, that no one will ever remember it, and that in the grand scheme of things it is entirely meaningless. Whether that sentiment is true or not, none of us act that way. Even grading ourselves on the curve of history, where people have endured unimaginable cruelty, the worst thing that's happened to you is still the worst thing that's happened to you. Regardless of its source, suffering is simply too intense, too powerful, too real to ignore. And while this is true, it gives us a window into a discovery that could only be described as transcendent. The only thing more real than suffering, the only thing more powerful than pain, is that which alleviates it. Or in other words, the most real thing there is. I'm Dean Delp, and welcome to the Modernist Monastery. There was once an old farmer who had a herd of horses. One day, the horses broke through the fence, and the herd ran off into the wild. On hearing the news, the old farmer's neighbor came over and said, This is bad fortune for you. The old farmer simply replied, Maybe. The next day, to everyone's surprise, the herd returned, but with a beautiful black stallion in their midst. Again, the neighbor came over and said, This is good fortune for you. The farmer simply rejoined with, maybe. The next day, the farmer's only son tried to mount the new stallion, fell and broke his leg. Once again, the neighbor appeared. This too is bad fortune for you. Again, the farmer simply sighed and said, maybe. A week passed and the army came to the farmer's village to press all the young men into service. But the farmer's son was on crutches, nursing a badly broken leg, and so the army moved on. And so, by the twists of circumstance, the farmer kept all that might have been lost, and even gained a stallion he could one day tame. But through it all, the old man never allowed himself to become distressed. He resolutely accepted all that befell him, for he knew that he did not know, and thus gained freedom from the suffering of that same uncertainty. 
Even if the farmer had lost everything, acceptance is a choice that does not change the situation, but changes us. The great Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius wrote, Accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny, for what could more aptly fit your needs? Marcus, who wrote what is perhaps one of the greatest philosophy books of all time, The Meditations, was a deep adherent of a system of philosophy known to us today as Stoicism. This is where our word Stoic comes from. I would recommend The Meditations to anyone, even an abridged version. It feels shockingly contemporary, and you will probably find it much more readable than you expect. The philosophy of Stoicism began in ancient Greece and reached its deepest flourishing during the height of the Roman Empire. The founding figure of what would become Stoicism is attributed as Zeno of Citium, and was originally called Zenoism, but was changed because later thinkers in the tradition did not believe that anyone was perfectly wise and did not wish to create a cult of personality around their founder. Among its greatest contributors besides Zeno were Seneca the Younger, Musonius Rufus, Epictetus, and, of course, Marcus Aurelius. For our purposes, we will be focusing along Stoicism's two main avenues of discourse, with special emphasis on the second. 1. How to live a good life, where good is not only referring to quality, but to ethics. And 2. How to respond to suffering. Stoicism is, at its core, a philosophy of virtue ethics, by which we mean that what is good is what's right, and what's right is what's good. All systems of virtue ethics essentially claim the following. In order to live a life characterized by real and lasting satisfaction, fulfillment, and contentment, one must live by certain principles of behavior. These principles we call virtues and consist of things like honesty, courage, patience, gratitude, diligence, humility, and a panoply of others. The diamond center of virtue ethics is the idea that every situation in life has a correct response, a response that, if done, will result in the reward of a life which is fundamentally good with a capital G, and that a good life is the most valuable thing there is. But there are roughly four things that distinguish Stoicism from other virtue ethics philosophies. 1. The source of these virtues. 2. The inclusion of a specific virtue not always found in such philosophies. 3. Its attitude towards suffering. And 4. What living these virtues will do to you as a person. Stoicism claims, like Taoism, that virtue is fundamentally sourced in natural law, that living in accordance with nature produces virtue. But unlike Taoism, it does not mean this in the sense of living in harmony with the natural environment. Rather, it intends this to mean that creatures should live according to their own nature. Wolves should act like wolves, mice like mice, birds like birds. Man, meaning mankind, should act according to its own nature, one fundamentally characterized by rationality. Moreover, that rational nature is directly rooted in something called logos, which one may think of as the intrinsic reason, order, and logic that operates in the universe all around us. Thus, by acting in accordance with the order of creation, we can reach a state of virtue. And this entails the unique virtue that Stoicism venerates, which is not always included in systems of virtue ethics. Reason and logic. From a Stoic perspective, 
Logic is just as much a virtue as compassion or honesty. By living in accordance with logic and reason, we can live more virtuously. In fact, many Stoics would probably say that wisdom is acting according to reason and logic. Mostly, this is because the idea of being rational is directed towards regulating the emotions and avoiding the occasionally illusory effect they sometimes have on us. We have all been made fools by our feelings. Being possessed by anger and saying things we don't mean, being smitten by jealousy into hating someone we love, panicking in fear to the point where the decisions we make actually end up hurting us or other people. Perhaps we have been paralyzed by anxiety to the point we cannot act at all and let things pass us by which we shouldn't, or even avoid things that are actually good for us. Or, and most keenly, many of us know what it is like to be so consumed by grief and sorrow that we are unable to bring ourselves to do anything at all, and hope is lost. Perhaps we have even been so consumed by shallow euphoria or pleasure that we make less than admirable decisions, even by our own standards. In fact, Stoicism divides these negative states into four categories, distress, fear, lust, and delight. Distress being defined as an irrational opinion formed about something present which we view as negative. This includes jealousy, anxiety, anger, sadness. Fear is defined as an irrational aversion to something we perceive as dangerous or harmful, and includes things like panic, shame, and cowardice. Lust is defined as an irrational desire or pursuit of something we think is good, but may not actually be so, such as when we feel greed. Last is delight, which is mostly just what happens when we are so consumed by positive feelings, delusional or otherwise, that it makes us irrational and blind to the situation all around us, such as when we tell ourselves everything is fine and ignore the problems in front of us because some things are going well. Against these inner struggles and the difficulties of the external world, Stoicism raises the following claim. Suffering is inevitable. Death is inescapable. Face it. Don't complain. Absolute acceptance makes one invincible and unbreakable in the face of suffering. This state of invincibility creates the strong platform from which we are centered enough to act virtuously in the world. Living virtuously then brings not only peace and contentment, but victory and even glory in the face of trial. Or in an even more boiled-down sense. You are going to suffer. Look it in the face. Then remember that you have power over your mind, and act accordingly. If you do, it'll be better. This last part is one of the things that makes Stoicism so encouraging. While some systems of virtue ethics claim only that living virtuously will make you good, Stoicism also claims that it will make you strong. That by using your mind and regulating your heart, you will become a powerful person, capable of not only weathering adversity, but in successfully accomplishing the goals you set for yourself despite that adversity. In other words, you can either control your thoughts and feelings, or be controlled by them. This is not to say that you shouldn't allow yourself to feel anything or leave your strong emotions unprocessed. But it is to say that by a stance of absolute acceptance towards your trials, you will be able to withstand those feelings with greater clarity and strength. 
It is also to say that by means of using your mind, you can think clearly and dispel much of the illusory nature of our most turbulent feelings. Things are often not as bad as they appear. Even the consequences of total disastrous failure can be overcome. And if you know that, it does make things a little easier. Not because the situation becomes lighter, but because you grow more confident. Like all virtue ethic systems, Stoicism claims that the best response against suffering is to be a better person. It is also to remember that we have no ability to see the strands of fate, and those things which we believe to be our greatest failures and tragedies can lead us to our greatest triumphs and can bring tranquility and peace. Sorrow, heartbreak, and agony can be powerful teachers, even though it is awful to find ourselves their students. Stoicism is a philosophy of constant self-improvement, but it bases this improvement in strength, not weakness. Rather than claim that humans are by nature weak and evil, and that this nature should be overcome, it claims that humans are rational and powerful by nature, but that we forget this easily due to distraction and a lack of discipline. The best possible version of you is far more powerful than you might believe, and far closer than you might think. Only a little improvement can have immense effects. Humans are capable of incredible resilience and might, mental and physical. A very stoic way of saying it might be this, and in fact a stoic did say it. Nothing is preventing you from living virtuously. Why postpone the journey any longer? Today, stoicism is experiencing a serious renaissance in popularity, especially and unsurprisingly with young men. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius sells thousands of copies every year, and websites like The Daily Stoic and Modern Stoicism receive millions of subscribers, as do the hundreds of YouTube channels devoted to covering Stoicism. Compilation videos of quotes from Stoic philosophers likewise get millions of views and occupy beloved spaces in playlists all over the world, including mine. It is popular for a reason. In the current age, especially in the West, Many people are looking for how to live a meaningful life, and more than anything, a place from which to draw strength against the challenges and suffering which besets them. Since many modern Westerners have a distrust or dislike of religion, and Abrahamic religions in particular, something like Stoicism is exactly what they are looking for. However, this is not to say that Stoicism stands as an opposing force to such faiths, quite the contrary. Stoicism is entirely compatible with most religions I can think of, and mostly compatible with the others. For myself, I can honestly say that almost nothing has given me more strength in times of trial than Stoicism, and I'm a fan of the three to five minute compilation videos that are floating around the internet. I cannot count the number of times I have been on the verge of total collapse, and after what you might think of as a shot glass of Stoicism, I feel enough of my strength and conviction return to press on. Indeed, I would say that a shot of Stoicism is typically all that's required, though embracing a serious practice of many Stoic principles would obviously lead to the creation of a powerful person. Someone who is just as strong as they are wise. And unlike the frankly cringeworthy inspiration videos that move around social media sites, Stoicism carries a quiet realism that lends it genuine strength. 
Its seriousness and recognition of the real difficulty and unavoidable fatalism of the world leaves us feeling understood and seen before it attempts to strengthen us. And so, to conclude this episode, I will leave you with some items of Stoic wisdom that have done the most for me over the years. These lines are from the men I have already mentioned earlier and can be easily looked up if you wish to know who said what. I sincerely hope that you will find something here which inspires you and lends you strength against the storms of life. Accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny, for what could more aptly fit your needs. Attach yourself to what is spiritually superior, regardless of what others do. The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Every night before going to sleep, we must ask ourselves, what weakness did I overcome today? What virtue did I acquire? No man is free who is not master of himself. Here is a rule to remember in the future when anything tempts you to feel bitter. Think not, this is misfortune, but to bear this worthily is good fortune. Luck is what happens when preparation meets an opportunity. The world turns aside to let any man pass who knows where he is going. To live a good life, we all have the potential for it, if we learn to be indifferent to what makes no difference. Until we have begun to go without them, we fail to realize how unnecessary many things are. We've been using them not because we needed them, but because we had them. Seek not the good in external things, but in yourself. Never let the future disturb you. You will meet it if you have to, with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against the present. He suffers more than necessary, who suffers before it is necessary. What ought one to say, then, as each hardship comes? I was practicing for this. I was training for this. A man conquers the world by conquering himself. The best revenge is not to be like your enemy. Throw me to the wolves, and I shall return leading the pack. First, say to yourself who you would be, and then do what you would have to do. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. If you want something good, get it. Caretake this moment. Immerse yourself in its particulars. Respond to this person, this challenge, this deed. Quit evasions. Stop giving yourself needless trouble. It is time to really live. Ignorance is the cause of fear. Fortify yourself with moderation, for this is an impenetrable fortress. Look well into thyself. There is a source of strength that will always spring up, if thou wilt always look. When you are offended by any man's fault, Think first of your own failings, then you will forget your anger. If they cannot disturb your mind, what is there left to disturb? On the occasion of every accident that befalls you, remember to turn to yourself and inquire what power you have for turning it to use. Do not seek to have events happen as you wish, 
but wish them to happen as they do happen, and all will be well with you. Memento mori, amor fati. Remember death, love fate. I'm Dean Delp, and this has been Suffering and Stoicism on the Modernist Monastery.